You're listening to episode 258 of The the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. So here's the thing. What I didn't realize last week when I challenged you about you not being here this week because you messed up the intro, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that would mean no one else would ever be on the show again. Yeah. I didn't know it was like a... Uh, 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 a witch spell that keeps everybody else away. Sure what it feels like. Uh, Kale and I, the dynamic duo are the reliables. There you go. There you go. We're back once again, as always to uh, do the show. You know, that thing that we're supposed to be doing every single week. And we're happy to be (laughs) here. Uh, (laughs) This is related. I have a challenge for you. Ooh. The challenge is I would like you to bake in as as many passive aggressive digs at the other three as you can in the show. Well, uh, if there's one thing I'm good at, <laughs> it's <laughs> passive aggressively digging at people. So I think you'll find that I was probably going to do that anyways. Tremendous. But- at the end of the show, we'll see if it's to your satisfaction. How about that? I'll probably forget. All right. Fair enough. Uh, no pressure then. <laughs> we have quite a few things to talk about this week. Uh, we've got a ton of listener mail to get to. Just like last week, you guys have been absolutely amazing. and We really appreciate that. There's a trailer for the Sandman show, a little teaser that dropped Uh We've got some congratulations in order for both Shang-Chi and Venom. Let there be carnage uh, for being uh, the box office juggernauts of the pandemic era. And uh, we're going to talk about the Diamond Retailer Summit, uh, a very different, more low key Diamond Retailer Summit. But you know what wasn't low key for Steve Jeppy, who I bothered by anything. Imagine so if, if, if you're into whenever we talk about the, the real like inside baseball, as it were, comic book stuff, uh, the stuff that affects the industry as a whole, our main topic is going to be for you for sure. Before we get into all that, I do want to let you guys know where you can find us all over the Internet and how you can support us. Make sure you're leaving us a follow, a rating and a review wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast. If that happens to be YouTube, subscribe for free, like the video, share it with your friends. All that stuff's free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Make sure you're following us on social media. Of course, that's uh, at the Comics Pals, wherever you're looking for us. And the email, if you want to write in, is thecomicspals at gmail.com. Hit us up over there. We always love getting emails from you. Wonderful, wonderful people. Listen to our low book club. We really... Had a great time doing it. It's been out for a week. Go run those numbers up. Give it a listen. If you've read low, that's great. Listen to our show. Uh, if you haven't, buy the book. Listen to our show. Uh, if you're wondering where our review for Inferno is, we're going to be talking about Inferno a little bit today. If you're wondering where our review for that is, definitely. Uh, we posted it. Go check it out. It's on YouTube. It's on all the podcast platforms. Go listen to Pete and I dig into that first issue of Inferno. Uh, it's 
I mean, spoilers, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. Mm. Um, we, we really had a blast with it. Um, and then we're going to be posting this week, our review of righteous thirst for vengeance from the image comics stuff. Uh, that'll be up on Wednesday. So image is always Wednesday, Thursdays, everything else. Go check that stuff out. And then of course we watch what if every single week and review it for you guys. Check that out as well. Write in and let us know your thoughts about what if it's been kind of quiet. Our Discord, though, which you can join, uh, you guys are talking about what if a bit, but I feel like the the, the conversation is not big enough about this show, uh, and I think it matters. I think the show does matter. I think it will factor into future films. So, hmm. Sean, let me ask you something. Yeah, do you think the best thing you could do for the show is show up? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. The thing we're here. We're so glad to have our uh, our whole audience anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have had more consistent audience engagement than pals participation <laughs> over the last week. And that's that's fun. That's very fun. I got to tell you, uh, speaking of fan participation, we've got a dump truck full of listener mail this week from the loyal audience who tune in every single week to hear us yap about whatever. And uh, they write in to talk about it. So they've been the third, fourth, and fifth pal. You guys have mm-hmm. been the third, fourth, and fifth pal here the last couple of weeks, and we appreciate you. So, Kale, why don't you take it away with an OG who wrote in Snake of Talons? Snake of Talons wrote in on the last episode, 257, and said, personally, I hadn't read Hickman before any of this X stuff. House and Powers drew me in, and I liked it so much, I was reading a ton of X books. A lot of them felt like they were meandering. Now that he's gone, so so am I, I think that's supposed to say. Yeah. I really wish that wasn't the case, but I'm happy for him getting a substack. Yeah, so this is our first of three comments about the X books, so mm-hmm. uh, we can just kind of group these all together uh okay langston brown wrote and said uh, is the upcoming hickman x-men omnibus a complete story post hawks pox or is it just a culmination of all the x-related issues he wrote amateur sage also said great content pals that was on our inferno review uh langston's comment was on the inferno review as well uh yeah so thank you to all three of you, Amateur Sage, I really appreciate that. I, I haven't seen your name before, so if you're new to us, uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Really, really glad you enjoyed our, our, our conversation. Uh, and then I'll just tackle Langston Brown's comment real quick. It is only the stuff that he did on X-Men proper and then his, like, the giant-sized uh, stuff that he did. Um, okay. And then a little bit of material from the incoming issue from 2019. It was like their their annual, oh, this is teasing whatever's coming next for the year book. Um, and Hickman had a little bit of stuff, X stuff in that. So uh, it's a compilation of, of all that. Um, I So the struggle I've been having with collecting the X stuff is uh, how do I collect the stuff I like? And obviously what I like is the Hickman stuff. So what I'm, I'm thinking at this point is Hoxpox, uh, Inferno when it eventually comes and, uh, whatever this omnibus is going to be. Yeah. That'll be my Hickman era, uh, X-Men. That's, that's exactly what you would need to do. Yeah. Um, 
yep. If if all you want is is Hickman, that's all you get. And then the only thing this does not include that Hickman actually wrote is the uh the the Ten of Swords issues. So the Ten of Swords issues of X Men are not in this omnibus. Oh right, that's the apocalypse stuff though. That's yeah. the good parts of right. All right. Now I'm not pumped about it, but I'll leave it. I I don't know that I would go out and shell the money out for Ten of Swords for that if yeah. I hadn't already done it uh, like six months in advance of yep. the event, which I ended up I ended up hating. And I had this damn omnibus coming my way that I couldn't stop. And I'm like, shit, I don't even want this now. But I'll be honest, in retrospect, I'm glad I have it. You got the Hickman issues, at least. Yeah, exactly. I still kind of want to go back and see if I was wrong about that. If we were wrong about it, I don't think so. But I, I would love to know if we were wrong about it. It's sitting on my shelf. So what harm could befall me for reading it? It could fall on you. <laughs> I could be fall on, on you. That <laughs> uh, could be fallen on you anyway. That would be the last dig that the X books could uh, could send my way. That damn ten of swords. The, your grave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to what Snake of Talent said, um, I, I, I haven't kept up with what the wider community is saying but i suspect that there are a lot of people who feel like you mm-hmm. uh you know you're commenting on the episode that kale and i really dug into our feelings about what was happening with the Xbooks, and i completely stand by it and i understand why you feel how you feel it's frustrating i reading i read inferno today and yeah. i just kept thinking about what you said, what what you told me last week about uh, how the rest of the X writers were like, yeah, we're not ready to move on, and I just, oh, it crushed me again. Yeah, it and and it, and I didn't want to belabor that during the review with Pete, uh, but exactly, Inferno is so good. And to me, the quality should come first. Why would you put mm. put first whoever's feelings about like their writing of or their work on the book or the, the wider X books when Hickman's story is so engrossing and engaging? This is what we g- jumped on board for. And it's what's driving the X-Men. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're choosing a lesser story for no apparent reason man that's tough but it's tough since we're on the subject uh i did want to briefly mention one of the questions that i have had and that's been floating around is what is happening with the order of trial of magneto and inferno Mm. because they're both running concurrently i think a lot of people glossed over the fact that that would be the case uh, due to the, the cadence of release and Marvel has come out and said when questioned by uh, Newsarama, uh, they have clarified that quote Inferno largely takes place after the events of trial of Magneto. Uh, it's worth pointing out that they said largely. So 
is that because of the fact that some amount of the Inferno books include flashbacks to, you know, certain things? We're not going to do spoilers, Kale. Um, I do want to hear your thoughts about the issue, yeah. but we'll just do it without spoilers. Um, it, it does include certain flashbacks. Is that what they mean by largely? Or are there certain like fill-ins that kind of take place after or before trial of Magneto, like not long before, but before. Yeah. If that makes um, sense. I, geez. I have a question. It can't be a spoiler. It's the first page. Okay. So, okay. It's the first page. If you, if you're going in and you don't want to know absolutely anything, it's listen, it's the first page. I don't know anything either. I'm not revealing anything here. Yeah. Um, so on the first page, um, Oh, yeah. Do you want me to continue or do you know I, what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. And I, 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 if, I won't answer your question because it would be a spoiler. At least I, if I think I know what your question is. Okay. Do it. If you want to skip ahead, skip ahead one minute. 50. Yeah. Um, so Emma's wearing the Cerebro helmet yeah. and Xavier and someone else crawl out of the egg. Yeah. Is that Magneto? Yeah. Okay. That wasn't even worth all that preamble bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting scene. Pete and I broke down our thoughts on that. Uh, Yeah. That, that scene, I think is a, there's a lot going on there, but um, so this is good to know. And the reason why this is happening, I mean, this is not, this has not been stated explicitly by Marvel, but it's pretty easy to extrapolate that the reason that trial of Magneto and um, Inferno are coming out this way is because of all the delays, all the delays and the, the, the pushing stuff back that happened at Marvel led to a situation where Darkhold, death of Dr. Strange trial of Magneto and Inferno are all happening at the same time. And when you read any one of them, you can tell that they were not meant to come out together because yeah. trial of Magneto and Inferno obviously have overlap. And then Darkhold and uh, trial of Magneto are dealing with the same subject matter taking place in two different books that have nothing to do with each other. It's mind blowing. And if Hickman was staying, I suspect that Inferno could have been nudged back a little bit to allow Trial of Magneto to resolve. Yeah. But what were your thoughts on Inferno? Man, I'm just so glad we're getting into the meat of something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm pumped to see Moira. Um, I, I, I both like and dislike that she's coming across as kind of an asshole. Yeah. I mean, you know, Xavier and Magneto certainly are as well, but um, I, I, I can definitely feel the frustration on her part. And I don't know, there's just, there's so, so many little things that are both so satisfying, uh, but so um, frustrating all at the same time, character wise. Without spoiling it, how did you feel about the uh, the end reveal? Was were you surprised that they went there so fast? Very much so. Yeah, very was, much so. That was shocking. I thought for sure that would be a um, 
a book ending reveal. Yeah. Um, so I'm very curious as to, and I wonder if it's being done this way because Hickman's leaving. Maybe he can get his like master stroke in before, uh, you know, his time is over and he can sort of tell a little bit of the story that he wanted to. I think, uh, and we'll have lots of conversations about this, but I think that Hickman's next phase in order to get to that ultimate place, whatever that would have been, Hmm. this part needed to resolve the part Mm -hmm. that I think he's what he wanted to hold is uh, the stuff with Orcus. I think the stuff with Orcus is the end game. Yeah. And I didn't realize that Orcus was as important as they are until a little bit more recently, but it's pretty clear that they're like the antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the end, the, the, the end future timeline of, um, Hoxpox was right. Nimrod and uh, greater and lesser and Orcus and yeah. all that. So yeah, that makes total sense. All right. We're going to back off the X talk. Don't want to frustrate anybody with spoilers. And we've got so much more uh, mail to get to. So why don't you uh, continue us down the line? Uh, Snake of Talons also wrote in on 256. And he says, part of the reason I switched to digital is because of how unreliable everything has been with shops getting books. If I really want a physical, I'll get the trade. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I, I uh, There's a supply chain issue that's affecting the entire planet right now. Yeah. And comic books are being directly impacted by that. Uh, I cut a news item that we were going to discuss just today about the fact that DC in particular has announced a lot of changes in their schedule for their special releases, like uh, any type of omnibus or, you know, anything like that. They've had to recalculate all that and push almost all of that back into 2022 because they're just not getting their stuff. In fact, some uh, printing press businesses have, have actually had to um, step up and print comics that have never printed comics before because there's such a problem. Mm. So we'll see how that works out. That's kind of yeah. weird. Um, I yeah. mean, also, that's what happens. I, I, I know um, Titan does it through a Chinese company mm. because it's so cheap. Right. And, you know, Jess, Jess always told me about the, you know, the, the supply issues they had, you know, anytime a, uh, a holiday came up in China mm, wow. um, and, you know, it would get delayed or whatever. So I can't imagine, you know, that Marvel and DC are doing it any more uh, efficiently or, you know, any more um, locally, I guess. They're not. Yeah. Yeah, so it like it makes complete sense that of course when you put all the printing in one place, like eventually there's not going to be any paper. <laughs> yeah, um, th- and uh, that's literally part of the struggle is is at, at paper. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, over the summer, um, I tried to go find Chainsaw Man for my birthday, and the the, the manga industry has been insane. They're running; you can't find hot manga anywhere wow chainsaw man demon slayer 
um, huh. name any hot title at your local manga shop and they probably can't get it because of the these issues. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, we're heading into the holidays and, you know, I'm sure just like any other industry comics, you know, you, you, you hope that people step up and buy stuff from their shop, from shops mm-hmm. during that time. And if shops just don't have the books, um, especially the omnibus, the omnibuy and things that the special stuff that people say, oh, that's a stocking stuffer. You know, if you don't have those things, you, you lose money. A big ass stocking stuffer. Well, you can hey. kill Santa Claus with that thing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, definitely not Sean Soapbox on episode 256 says with wedding season being over, I'm going to head into a deep depression from not seeing fly daddy Phil's suave suit picks. Okay. So we can go ahead and put this to, to rest then. Um, obviously it's Phil. He's the only person that cares about wedding season and his own suit picks. So close the, uh, close the book on this, uh, rancid old bit shove it behind the fridge where it belongs and thanks phil glad wedding season's over we'll see you soon you know what it's not phil but definitely not uh you know what i thought that the the trade-off right because obviously who doesn't love to see phil in a suit i thought the trade-off meant that at least we would see phil on the show but as it turns (laughs) out i was wrong so now you just don't see phil at all yep uh Also, I want to quickly note that our Venom review is out now. If you want to hear my thoughts about Venom, uh, go check that out. Uh, I've got the review out for you guys. Venom, let there be carnage. It could be interesting. It's going to be worth a listen. It's going to be a one-person review. Yeah. I can't watch the film. It's not out here uh, in the UK. So uh, very interested to uh, not so much hear your thoughts, but hear what you're going to (laughs) do. I'm going to do something. What's me? What's the Rotten Tomato score? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll actually play that game for once and I'll play it alone. Yeah, that's fun. (laughs) What do I win? Uh, Kilgore Trout wrote in on episode 254. This is where we talked about uh, Joe Bennett getting fired. And uh, they said, so Joe got fired by Marvel. Wow. Who saw that coming? LOL. Uh, if I remember correctly, Kilgore Trout actually wrote in and said that he, they felt like um, Joe should have been fired to begin with yeah. the first time. I believe that that's been Kilgore's stance the whole time. Yeah. Great work. I'm, to be honest, a little surprised they uh, Marvel did pull the trigger. So who really? saw that coming? Not me. <laughs> I'm a cynical. I'm a cynic when it comes to big companies like that. Yeah, I think I think Marvel would have Marvel would have put themselves in a hole had they uh, had they not fired him just because um, they never would have been able to have him on a book mm. and not have the conversation about that book be what he did. Why is this Nazi on it? Right, yeah. and then he he showed his ass. Completely. We didn't even talk about this on the show. Now his, his, or at least I don't think we did his first job post Marvel is with Vox day. You know, I think we talked about it in the discord. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Wild. Like 
okay, cool. Thanks for proving everyone right. And thanks for uh, making all of us who, and I, I, I felt this way and I stand by my approach, even though ultimately the person didn't, didn't deserve the uh, benefit of the doubt. In this case, mm. I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? Maybe the, the, the images in mm. immortal Hulk, that stuff was a genuine mistake. I don't know. I can't prove it. Um, so I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Presumably Marvel did too. Clearly that was wrong to do. So he was just straight lying that mm-hmm. whole time. And that's bullshit. Yeah. That's bullshit. Go ahead. Take the next one. That's not fair. <laughs> Hug, huggle squishy on uh, our good Asian number one review says just finished issue one. I'm going to buy every other issue available tomorrow morning. Well, hold on. The trade just came out. Yeah. So if you've got a local comic book shop, run down there and grab uh, grab that hot book. And it's an image book, so likely the first trade is ten bucks. Don't be dirt cheap. Yeah, that's a great deal uh, for a, a book that's really good. We don't review it anymore, but uh, the book is very good. So it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, Hellspawn O five wrote in on the spawn 322 review. This was an entirely unnecessary issue. Why Todd felt we needed to go back. uh, That adds nothing is beyond me and feels like he needed to do something while his time is more on gunslinger. Number one. So on that review, we discussed whether or not they essentially used the Marvel method to produce spawn. Remember that kill? Yep. Oh yeah. I think that what Hellspawn is saying perfectly leans into that theory because yeah. it's, it'd be easy for Carlo Barbary to produce all the artwork that Spawn, that uh, Todd wanted for yeah. Todd to say, this is the story. It's just going to be torture, a 22 page torture scene. Right. And then Carlo Barbary says, okay, well, what does that look like? And just does the book. And then Todd comes in and is like, okay, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there's got to be talking heads on the news, blah, blah, blah. Uh, done. Back to Gunslinger. Yep. Sure. I believe that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I'm so glad that the spawn stands who are in our are in our mentions every single week yeah. are with us yeah. on this because you guys clearly love spawn and you get it. You're the target audience and you're unhappy. Um, in fact, we, we actually missed uh, a comment from Kilgore Trout on this same issue who wrote in and said, you know, once again, wrote in and said, I can't imagine any sane person agreeing with uh, disagreeing with you. The writing is atrocious. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are completely on point. You're on the ball with this. It's ridiculous. Yep. Todd has to stop. He has to stop. But keep going, Todd. I don't know. <laughs> A little keep, later. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Keep, keep doing your thing, man. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. I see. I just. I don't like it, but <laughs> I like it. But I don't like on. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about how <laughs> how Todd McFarlane's comics are insanely successful, and it's amazing that we're gonna have that discussion because to, the the draw of of Spawn, right? Like the mainline Spawn books is Todd McFarlane's character and presumably him, Todd McFarlane, 
but he is the worst part of the book every week. His contribution. Yep. It's 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 wild. It'd be one thing if he if he was drawing at all, because you'd be like, okay, fucking right. okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm here for it. Of course the writing sucks. Look at look at the art. Yeah. And even still, I don't I don't wholly disagree with that take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's rough it's rough and and it, it makes me sad because i love spawn and i I'm, I'm frankly still enjoying all the spawn stuff but it's like damn this could be so much better like you get yeah any other top tier creator on that from a writing aspect and it's just like it's probably it's probably like a okay i i know this is about to be some hyperbole okay and kale if you want to take me to task for it feel free but i feel like Spawn, in the hands of a very, very talented writer, could produce Swamp Thing, Sandman-level quality stories. Bro, the best stories of Spawn were written by Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman. Oh, okay. There you go. So I don't feel so dumb. So, yeah, like that's not even an exaggeration. You're 100% correct because it happened. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I've never I didn't even know that they had touched the book. I didn't I never read that. So yeah, where, yeah. It, where where is that? Early on. Uh okay. very early on. I think in the uh probably tens and twenties of of the like you can get it in like the first comp uh major compilation or something. Oh man, that's cool. That's cool. I'm gonna have to pick that up now. That's you know my what? stocking stuff. For- They're they are they're really good. Wow. <laughs> and McFarlane does the art on those too. Uh, oh because my it's, god! Because it's early days, and you know what? It's fucking great. Alan Moore x Todd McFarland, like that's nuts. Yeah, I I mean you know uh, Spawnheads, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm spot on. Like I know those facts separately. You know Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman were definitely on Spawn and definitely helped catapult it. Um like 90% sure they also have Todd McFarlane on art because he couldn't, he couldn't hack both. That's just wild. That's wild. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Uh, you know what else makes me sad though? Not having a full cast on, uh, on the podcast every week. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me mad actually. Um, <laughs> what makes me sad is that yesterday from the day we are filming this, which is October 2nd, uh, the yesterday would have been yesterday's October 1st. That would have been the release date for the Batman. Oh, I definitely yep. probably wouldn't have been able to see that either. <laughs> uh, the Batman was originally supposed to come out on June 25th, 2021. It was delayed to October 1st after production was forced to stop due to COVID. And then it was, of course, moved again to March 4th, 2022. So this movie would have been out. We would have been doing that review today instead of Venom. There's no chance those movies come out uh, on the same day. Venom moves without question. And we're probably, or I guess in this case, I alone am discussing uh, what is likely an amazing movie. I think the movie's going to be really, really good. Venom or the Batman? The Batman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's like you already, but you already know about Venom. Well, I'm not going to spoil my thoughts on Venom, except to say I have 
zero belief that Venom will ultimately shake out to be better than the Batman. Like that's not going to happen. I'll quit the show. You phrase that weird. Sorry. So what I'm saying is that there's no way that Venom, let there be carnage will be a better movie than the Batman. Correct. And if I come away from the Batman thinking, holy shit, Venom was better. I'll quit the show. How about that for a challenge? (laughs) I will quit the show. (laughs) Almost said, you want to put 500 bucks on it? (laughs) (laughs) You better, you better stop betting me, Kale. Keep the money out of it, man. Didn't realize I had a gambling problem, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. And if I do end up quitting the show, you might have to do it alone. All right. I've been asking for it. Kale soapbox. Yep. Kale's cardboard. Kale's Kale's call out. (laughs) Kale's call outs. I like that. Uh, Are you excited for the movie? The Batman? I don't know anything about it. I know very, very little. Um, so, I mean, no more than anything else, really. You saw the trailer, right? No. What? The the uh, fandom trailer? So. No. Dude. Like, are you choosing not to watch it deliberate, deliberately? Partially, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair but enough. also, I mean, it's another Batman origin movie. What, what, what do you want me to think? Uh, okay, well, you know what? It's your right not to watch the trailer. But I will say that I had that same feeling. Yeah. And the trailer made me feel differently because it's presenting the Batman in a way we've actually never seen him before on screen. This is like year two and yeah. we've never quite gotten year two Batman. Yeah. Um, the, the chatter I've heard will has gotten me into the theater. Okay. I can, I, I can say that much. Okay. Um, it's a concept uh, and a version of Batman I'm very interested in. Um, but by that same token, I'm not going to watch the trailers because the trailer is going to spoil absolutely everything. <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, you're absolutely not wrong at all. So let's uh, let's get into the pals pulls this week upcoming for comics is going to be pretty big. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff dropping this this week. Uh, you have Swamp Thing is coming out. Nice House is coming out. Uh, I think there's only this issue and one more before the break. Uh, of so Night House, Nice House of Nice House, yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, Tinian is is dumping us for his Substack for our Substack. I must yeah. say, first Swamp Thing. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man is going to be, I guess, uh, undergoing some major changes that we're heading into the next era of of Spider-Man, Spider-Man beyond Spider-Man beyond the beyond era with the debut of one Patrick Gleason on art. Uh, and yeah, yeah, that's, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and then dark ages is continuing. I know a lot of people liked the first issue of Dark Ages. So uh, that Tom Taylor book is going to be continuing as well. Lots of good stuff. None uh, of that. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say uh, the Spider-Man is, uh, was one of my picks. I mean, Spider-Man 75. Yeah. Uh, it's the beginning of that. It's, uh, I believe, written by Zeb Wells. Uh, 
Yep. Uh, he seems to be sort of the um, the the first name on the list and sort of the overall architect potentially of of this era. And they said they said it was going to be five five titles of a month uh, for uh, Spider Man. We it's weekly. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Crazy. Uh, but I guess we're going to watch Peter Parker die again. So I mean, I'm all about that. So let's go. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, misdirection going on with the promotion of that, of that series. And we'll have to pick it up to find out what's actually going on. I'm going to buy it, but I'll be honest. I'm not excited. Uh, <laughs> I dropped Nick Spencer's. Yeah. Uh, spider-man like 10 issues in or so Mm -hmm. and i haven't really looked back or cared to not because i don't like nick spencer i like nick spencer a lot but for some reason what he was doing on spider-man just didn't click with me for 10 whole issues and that's that's too long so um and the stuff the stuff that we were sort of interested in only happened fairly recently yeah is what six year run or something the, you're talking about the the sinister war stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, is, and yeah. what's come from that the Harry Osborn stuff? Yeah, I think he's I think he's been on the book. I want to say like two or three years. Oh, is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, because he, he he teamed up with uh, with the uh, gosh, what's the guy's name? Invincible, the artist Ryan Otley. Ryan Otley. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he joined Marvel two or three years ago. But anyway, uh. I am tired of getting sucked in to runs on Spider-Man that just don't matter. Like it feels like the character has been in a bit of a holding pattern since slots run ended. And a lot of people Mm. didn't like that. So it's weird because you would think, right? Like DC tends to give Batman to whoever the top writer is over there. They don't have that approach at Marvel with their A-list characters, I feel. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like they're a bit more, um, what do you want to do? They sort of let their creators do whatever. Yeah. At this point, anyway, you know, maybe back in the day, they were like, whoa, you're Bendis. You've got to be on Avengers. Right. Maybe not. I guess it's not fair to say that they don't give it to their top tier writers because Nick Spencer is that, but his, I I don't know. I just, maybe because I didn't like it, I'm saying this, but it, it just doesn't feel like it's a priority to make the Spider-Man book the best it can be. Yeah. And I, I, maybe, maybe I'll be the one uh, on the cancel cancel block this week, but I'm going to say I'm a little tired of Spider-Man. In general, uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, I just, I don't, I. It's one of those things where it feels like for the past few years, they're just retelling the same story over and over again, and I'm kind of tired of it. I'm tired of, <laughs> I'm tired of his uh, catchphrase. I'm tired of his stupid costume. The only thing that speaks to me is Spider-Verse and they're ripping that off in the new one. I'm tired of fucking Tom Holland, but he's going to be everywhere because he's got the new one coming out. I'm tired of (laughs) Spider-Man. 
Yeah, uh, I haven't read a good Spider-Man comic, like a really like great yeah. issue of Spider-Man in a long time. The the last thing I read with Spider-Man in it, I think, was um, an issue of uh, Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe or whatever. I think the first one has Spider-Man in it. Hmm. And I went, I don't need this. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's. I think Spider Man is an amazing character. Yeah. I think Spider Man is a character who, you know, speaks to a lot of people in a lot of different ways, and that's all great. And that's more of a reason why you would think they would hire anyone, pay them any amount of money to make the book good. It's weird that they're going back to basically doing what they did during the big time era, a rotating mm-hmm. cast of creators on a weekly schedule, like. You went away from that for a reason before. Why are you doing it again? Ten years later. Dude, come on, man. Like, do something different. Uh, you also chose Ultra Mega Volume 1. Now you want to talk about something I'm excited about. Uh, this is James Heron's uh, 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 creator-owned project. He uh, mm-hmm. wrote and uh, did the art for it. I think it was Mike Spicer on Colors, if I remember correctly. Ooh. Uh, but I and uh, four of the other pals will agree with me. I really love this book. It's a uh, uh, an homage to uh, Ultraman and uh, old Tokusatsu shows. Uh, basically, uh, uh, a guy who's the protector of Earth mm. uh, turns into a giant monster fighting alien. And he dies, and the whole world changes, and now his kid wakes up, and and that's the story. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, he said four out of five. I'm the fifth. I didn't like it, but it's not because it was not done well. It's because it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I think if you are into kaiju stuff mm-hmm. um you'll probably really like the book like it's very stylish and stylistic and cool in that regard if you like that it just didn't work for me personally but i i wouldn't say that that means you shouldn't go buy it uh i chose righteous thirst for vengeance number one uh it's a rick remender book we just did the low book club and obviously um, you know, I have sung the praises everywhere I can about what I think about Low. I love that book so, so, so much. And anything that Rick puts out, has put out, I have enjoyed to varying degrees. It's not always, you know, a low for me. Um, uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but. I suspect that this is going to be pretty good. Uh, Andre Arujo is doing the art. And I've seen name there. Really? I'm pretty sure it's, uh, isn't it Andre uh, Arujo uh, Limas or something? I'm pulling it up right now. That, that is correct. On Midtown Uh, where I'm, where I'm, I apologize. Yeah. That's uh, uh, Andre uh, Lima Arujo is okay. Is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On Midtown, they cut that middle name off. So I my see. apologies for that. Uh, and then Crystal Halloran is also on it. Uh, so that's a pretty, that's a pretty strong creative team. Um, 
there's nothing I won't buy from Rick Remender. Rick Remender could try to sell me an NFT and I'll buy it. He's he's a, a god. I have my um my shrine. It's off screen. You can't see it, but you know it's there. Uh, I also picked up uh, or will be picking up Dirtbag Rapture. That is a crazy name, and when you find out who the, who the writer is, you'll understand why. It's Chris Sabella. All right, 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 yeah. right, right of course. Yeah, uh, Chris Sabella is one of those creators who every time they put a book out. Uh, it's it's something it's something unique and it's something mm. different and it's something special and so I always want to see what Chris is going to say I I, mm. I I really enjoy his perspective and then uh, on the art we have Kendall Good um, who I'm not familiar with so I can't he's, speak to hmm? he's great yeah he's yeah. he mostly does uh, or at least in, in my knowledge of him he mostly does um, cover work okay. Um, and he has kind of been looking for his big break. So hopefully this will be it for him. Well, the description of the book is as follows. She's stoned. She's selfish. She's all that stand, stands between us and the end of the world. Where do you go when you die? Cat, a stoner with a flexible moral code, can answer that. And the answer is not very far. Unfortunately for Cat's peace of mind, a near-death experience has left her with the ability to see and hear ghosts, as well as to take them into her mindscape so she can bring them to locations of their choosing, essentially playing transporter to the deceased. But when Cat discovers she's the key to a demonic plan to screw up the whole world, she is forced to take an active role in the battle between good and evil, and she's not thrilled about it. I'm in. I was already in, but I'm in. Yeah, he's got he's got uh, Chris Abella has a way of like taking a concept and turning it so you can see where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And he makes it better. Yeah. And every book he does is different. And it's also a look into his personality to some degree, the things he thinks about, like on yeah. this podcast, when he did the show, I mean, he's done the show several times, but um, at some point he discussed um, his interest in ghosts and, you know, he's made no stones about the fact that he is a stoner. So mm-hmm. he's just marrying two things that are actually in his life. He's got ghosts in his life and weed. He sees them when he's on weed. That's pretty cool. I don't know anything about weed. I don't know if that's like a, a regular thing or. Uh, it depends. Depends on where, where you buy your drugs from. And uh, Chris is in Portland, so I believe he sees ghosts. Yeah. I, I bet they got some potent stuff out there. Yeah, probably. Uh, we're going to jump into the news. And we're actually going to start with a. Uh, trailer. We've got a trailer for Sandman uh, from Netflix. And funny enough, I actually saw a uh, a commercial for this on the train. They had a a, a, a billboard or whatever you want to call it oh. uh, on the train. So that's pretty cool. So I've got it playing. For those of you on YouTube, you can see uh, I have shared my screen. and I've actually got the captions up so you can read along. You won't be able to hear it, but you can at least read it. Kale, uh, did you get the chance to watch this prior to now? Nope. Cool. Um, so up front, if you've read Sandman, you know that this is the scene where all the like cult people from that yeah. group are summoning, uh, you know, Sandman. 
it's like the second page. Yeah. Looks pretty uh, good, right? So far. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The helmet. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, the jewel. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the sand, right? Yeah. This was a point of contention for some people is that uh, Dream does not have the eyes. The cr- oh, yeah. I was going to say the crazy uh, hair. Yeah. That too is all over the place. Um, but his eyes in the book are like, uh, what color are they? In the- I forget. Here they're blue, but in the book, there's something else. And people were mad about that. Uh, fucking get over it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, people are always going to have an issue yeah. with something. This is so short that we really can't say much about it. Um, I will say that seeing the fact that they're what appears to be pretty faithfully recreating a scene that is pivotal to the book, that does give me confidence. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, like I said, this is like the second page in, in the whole book, which is really interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if they go the direction of the first book. I think that that could be really cool. Yeah, I, I honestly think that a Sandman uh, series would have been really great in the 90s. I'm not saying this won't be great, but there's just something about 90s sensibilities that play really well to the book um the way that horror was produced back then because they didn't have necessarily all the special effects in the world a lot of times they really leaned in on the mood and the tone and when you look at the sandman book it really feels like it lends itself to that type of um vibe and so i hope that they you know try to get into that as much as possible the uh the practical effects yeah sure yeah exactly yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think that would be that, that would be really cool. Um, I'm working my way through the X Files right now, um, and when you said that, I, my head went, "Ooh, yeah, the Sandman in the in the style of the X Files. That would have been that would have been dope as hell." That's so funny because I was gonna actually say X Files, but I thought that you would think that that was silly. But that's that's that was my immediate frame of reference for what I was saying. I'm I'm at a point in my movie watching where I'm start I'm starting to hate green screen and computer effects now, and sure. I, I'm all about it. Yeah, I actually believe that at some point here in the nearish future, there's going to be a um, a practical effects renaissance. Yeah, oh, that'd yeah. be sick. And I think uh, Chloe Zhao being able to make Eternals with a lot of practical <laughs> on effects. location. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For a Marvel oh, movie, grass, that's a big deal. The grass is so green. <laughs> it's too green. What's it's this real? Gro- yeah. What's this fake grass about? Get this grass <laughs> out of here. But it's, it's real grass. What's this this brown structure with the green on top. What? Is, what could that be? As it turns out, the real world actually looks pretty good. Right. There are parts of, of Earth that look beautiful. We haven't destroyed all of Earth yet. Maybe that's why the big companies are trying to lean so hard into, you know, animation and, and green screen effects because there's not going to be anything left soon. You know what? That is a awful idea. Uh, and it reminds me of the Matrix. Like, imagine if the only yeah. way you could see the way the world was, was through television and movies and everything that is outside your, your window is 
the abyss. Wake me up. Wake me up inside. <laughs> Wake me up when we have five pals on the podcast. Um, Wake me up when September ends. Uh, Wake up. Oh, no. Is there any more? Wake me up before you go, go. All right. I did it. The trifecta. And we're done with that bit. Shang-Chi deserves some praise for being the best performing film released during the pandemic domestically. That's pretty good. Um, it, it has a grand total. Of a hundred, it has made a grand total of one hundred ninety-six million dollars, which beat out the only movie that was really competition for it for this title, being uh, uh, Black Widow. And to be fair to Black Widow, you know, I, I don't want to take away from Shang Chi, but it is fair enough to point out that Black Widow was also released on streaming services day and date. Mm. Shang-Chi did not have that and so if you wanted to see this movie you actually had to go watch it and you still do like it's not even out yet Um, it was supposed to to be a 45 day window they expanded that window because of Disney Plus Day which is in November and they're going to drop it then I think it's November 10th but I could be wrong I don't know what that is it's a new thing it's the I think it's the first it's the second anniversary of Disney Plus so um yeah that's what they're that's what they're doing for it no thanks yeah well yeah who cares about that uh point is shang shang chi and the legend of the ten rings is doing amazing uh obviously a sequel is never in question if you've seen the movie Hmm. but certainly now any type of question that they may have had is gone and likely we're going to see shang chi being integrated even more into Marvel's future plans. Yep. So hats off. And now because of all this, I feel like, damn, did I miss something with this movie? Cause I, you know, I'm on record as not really having loved it. Uh, did I miss something? Like, I feel like I got to see this shit again. Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi. Yeah. I, yeah. Same. I'm in the same boat. I didn't I, like, it was fine. Right. But yeah, I didn't particularly care about it. <laughs> It, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like it was, I, I sort of feel like it, it was, a, a, I can't think of the other, the good word for victim, a, a, a victim of its circumstance, basically like, okay. you know, whereas black widow was released too late in the pandemic and it got put on streaming services. Shang Chi got it, you know, just as, a lot, you know, a lot of people, if not most of the population are vaccinated or cl- close to fully vaccinated and it didn't get released on uh, Disney plus no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be a, it's a winner by circumstance. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think people were hungry for, you know, the, the cinema in a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, and I don't say that to diminish the the quality of the the movie, but uh, you know, I think there was a a lot of luck that went into that, and I don't know, yeah, like like you say, I I don't, I, I get it, but it's I don't get it. So I have to say, everyone that I have spoken to who's seen the movie 
other than you has absolutely loved it. So it's weird. Like, well, and and my girlfriend, um, everybody else has been like over the moon about it and I just don't get it. So I'm going to watch it again when it comes out on Disney plus. Yeah. Jess, Jess is the same opinion as me and and you and Rebecca, I guess it's just eh, fine. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's weird. Um, the other thing is that before Shang-Chi came out and Disney announced that it would be releasing in theaters only, a lot of people used that to denigrate uh, Disney and Marvel by extension, saying that this was race related and that they were throwing out the Chinese movie to the waters to, to be the experiment. Uh, yeah, you could. I, you could, I bet you could make that case about Mulan too. It only got uh, released on on Disney Plus, and it was supposed to be, you know, the big thing. Um, but I think you could also make that case about Black Widow. I yeah, I feel like Black Widow was actually the experiment. Yeah, because and I guess you can make the argument that they're all experiments to varying degrees because they're just trying to see what works. But Black Widow felt like it should have been, you know, to Scarlett's point, a much bigger movie. But they needed to see if people were ready yet. And they used Black Widow to do that. So in a way, it was a sacrifice. She just got paid, by the way. They settled out of court. She got 40 million racks for, uh, you know, for her for her time. Now, if you combine that with the 20 million that she was paid up front for the film, uh, she's sitting pretty at 60 million dollars for the release of Black Widow. Black Widow made 60 million dollars in theaters. She should just go make her own Black Widow. Yeah. She she literally can. No, she can't literally. No. All right. Well, hey, she doesn't own the character. She'll get in trouble. Uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence made her Black Widow. What was it called? A Red Sparrow or something like that? Red oh, Widow. Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 is a Black Widow movie. Like it has yeah, yeah, yeah. a similar Red Room concept, and she's a femme fatale spy woman, all that jazz. I wonder if that would be in her contract, like a like you know something like oh Scarlett Johansson can't play. Uh, a, a redheaded spy, Russian spy turned good guy for you know a superhero team or whatever. Can she play a blonde? Uh, can she play a blonde Australian spy who is good but turns bad? See, I think for me, I think it's the spy part. Okay. Now, if she's an a blonde Australian mercenary who turns bad. No, who turns good into bad. I think that works. Okay. Book it. And I think I want to see that movie actually. (laughs) I want to, I want to see the movie where Scarlett Johansson plays a blonde Asian mercenary. That's the movie I want to see because we all understand that Scarlett Johansson is transracial. Yeah. Remember ghost in the show? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was there for that. Congratulations are also in order for Venom. Let there be carnage. This damn Venom. They just, (laughs) they keep, they keep doing it somehow. And it's weird because like, I feel like these movies, 
are like, <laughs> like they're so close to bad. It's yeah. like, they're so close to being bad, but everyone goes to see them. Like enough people go to see them that they break records. So this movie made $11.6 million opening night, which is a 1.6 more million dollars than it made when the first one came out three years ago. And that one did not come out during COVID. Mm. That's amazing. And it's projected to make $50 million this weekend, which is Sony's projection. And there are some people, some, some, you know, pundits who are saying that that's actually a, a soft estimate on their part. It's a, it's the, it's, it's Disney's Shang-Chi strategy where they lowered the projection. Yeah. And then it actually overperformed so that they'd be able to say, Hey, look, it overperformed. Smart. Yeah. No spoilers. Obviously go ahead. I know what you're going to ask me. Is it worth it? Oh, that's what you're going to ask me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, that's it. But that's all you have to say. No, it's not. It's not all I have to say. It's not. Well, and I'm careful, not going to explain this anymore. Don't ask me any questions. And listeners, don't overthink what I'm about to say. But I was right. That's all I'm going to say. And we're going to move on. <laughs> I was right. And you, if you want to know how, listen to my review. Do I need to start? But moving some money around, maybe getting the horse <laughs> racing. Or... <laughs> Start talking to my accountant. Make some plans, buddy. Fuck. Make some plans. So on that note, we're going to jump into our main topic this week, which is all about another diamond. failing company. <laughs> Wait, what's the what's the first failing company? Uh, Kale Ward Inc. <laughs> okay, business is gonna have to turn into a charity. I thought you were referring to the Comics Pals LLC because uh, it, all of our members are just gone. I was hoping for more optimism, but I have to I have to say uh, the uh, financial ruin of one of the uh, the board members is not a good look. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so. Every year, Diamond does their retailer summit. And essentially what this is, is it is a presentation. Uh, it's, it's like a sort of almost kind of like a, a, con- a convention that they attend where uh, the retailers come together with Diamond obviously hosting and the publishers of, of the comics coming out, sending, you know, their representatives, whatever, to basically sell retailers on the strength of the industry and the next however long of comics selling them on, Hey, buy this book. Basically Um, this is their opportunity to show them what they've got coming down the pipe, why retailers should be buying their books and why they should have confidence. So that's essentially what this is about. Notably last year, that was this event was where we found out about things like uh, the Robin series that Joshua Williamson is writing. Now Uh, some of the concepts that were in that big um, tournament thing that DC did earlier this year were actually uh, initially revealed 
in the retailer summit. They didn't have names, but they had like ideas that were uh, batted around. So yeah, that's, that's what this event generally is about this year. It still did those things, but it did them different. So the most important difference is that Marvel DC and image were not there. Image wasn't there. Image wasn't there. Interesting. That's a big deal. Uh, A lot has changed since the last retailer summit from Mm. a year ago. Uh, They no longer have Marvel. Obviously at that time, um, uh, DC was ending things or had ended things. Um, but they've also lost, uh, IDW since Mm -hmm. as well. So things are weird. Things are weird for, uh, diamond. However, we actually have good things to report because according to diamond and according to the retailer summit, comic book sales are up and they're up big. They're up big. Every publisher that was that attended this summit reported sales being up. So from 2021 versus 2019, Diamond's overall sales were up 18%. Now, I, I again, I'm not uh, an expert when it comes to this type of stuff. We don't have Marco here. Duh. So he can't uh, add clarity, but I will say, uh, for Diamond, what's really, really driving them is cards. So, and I and I said this last week when we talked. I think it was last week we talked a little bit about Diamond. Diamond isn't only in the comics business. Yeah, they sell cards. They are one of the distributors. Alliance is one of the major card distributors, and card sales are up for Diamond one hundred and thirty five percent. That's a pretty big deal, huh? I wonder if they're there who's creating the the um, the scarcity of uh, Pokemon cards. <laughs> it's it's 30, 40 and 50 year old bored fools yep. <laughs> who are nostalgic about their childhoods. Um, obviously, the part that's relevant to us, of course, is that graphic novel sales are up 45 percent. And comic sales, so you know, floppies, I guess, are up 19.5%. That's hmm. really good. That's yeah. really, really good. It's and, interesting yeah. that the comics and the graphic novels, that's such a big difference. Why? Uh well, I guess I mean just just you know, with that, with those numbers, uh, my guess is that you know, more people bought you know, collected issues or, or, you know, graphic novels. Um, But I, I, my guess is that it would also suggest that potentially there are more people buying uh, graphic novels, but maybe regular floppy comics readers are trying more things Hmm. is what I would, you know, and that I think that lumber, that number is sort of low enough that I could surmise that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to point out that Comics Beat did a great job. Uh, Heidi McDonald over at Comics Beat did a great mm-hmm. job providing a breakdown for this event, which she attends every year. Um, so, and, and I want to respond to what you said. I think that 
a big part of the reason why we're seeing the growth in the graphic novel uh, market is because, you know, the, the industry from a weekly release standpoint, I think is still kind of in recovery, even though numbers are yeah. up from before the pandemic, I think we're still kind of in recovery. But then also uh, when you talk about graphic novels, uh, we all understand that this is a much easier way to consume your books and a safer way during the pandemic. So a choice that a lot of people made because they don't want to go to their shop because it's risky is mm-hmm. to say, Hey, I'm going to order this. I'm going to wait until it's over and I'm just going to order the whole thing. I think that no event, nothing happening in comics has altered the buying habits of readers more than COVID. Nothing happening, meaning nothing uh, like comics events not comics events just like things that happen in the industry like um nothing has changed the tastes of readers more or impacted the tastes of readers more than covid taking place because people who would traditionally say i'm just going to go to the store are now saying eh i don't feel safe i'm going to yeah, order sure. this when it finishes hmm. and i attribute a lot not all but a lot of this 45% to that yeah um, I'm happy to see, though, that both uh, graphic novels and comics are up, because what that tells me is that comic book fans didn't go anywhere. Absolutely. And that was something that I can speak for myself and say I was afraid, not that comic fans would forget about the industry because that's never going to happen, but that the buying power wouldn't be there or there wouldn't, you know, that stores wouldn't be there that we would have a problem with there even being stores but all of those projections were wrong Mm. for now for now they were wrong we don't know how things will ultimately shake out but we're a year past the point at which we were saying oh man this is going to get rough and it just didn't get rough so happy for that um of course steve jeppy you know gave a big speech about the industry and 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 uh you know how great things are um he said the industry is growing new publishers new vendors new exciting projects and i'm happy to say that the industry is strong as strong if not stronger than ever also as a result of the industry strength i'm here to tell you diamond is having a banner year and it's as strong as ever thanks pokemon cards <laughs> Um, they touted pull box, uh, numbers. So pull box is their online ordering system that is allowing basically to connect retailers with, uh, fans directly via the internet. And this at all, you said you don't remember it. No, really diamonds got one of these. Yeah, dude. Uh, this was announced a long time ago and then it never materialized and there were okay, some kinks yeah. they were working out they troubleshooted it it was a whole mess okay but now that yeah now they're saying 600 retailers have taken part Twenty-two thousand consumers whatever and two hundred and seventy-five thousand overall subscriptions those are pretty solid numbers especially because we all know that the rollout of this has been an absolute mess. Yeah. And 
I go to my comic shop every week. I'm very activated in the, in, you know, with all this stuff. I didn't even know it launched. Yeah. And I've never been approached to subscribe. It's not anywhere that I'm aware of. So I don't know where they're finding the 22,000 people who are on this, but kudos to them for trying, I guess. And by the way, all publishers are 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 in on this not not uh marvel and dc aren't excluded from this you can you can buy you can subscribe for marvel and dc and idw books despite them no longer being um associated with diamond north america for weekly comics jeppy also said our industry stood out we not only stayed in business and had some adverse things happen to us but we managed to be able to take that lemon and turn it into lemonade do you believe that, Kale? I do believe that about the industry. I don't know if I believe that about Diamond. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's the issue, right? Like Diamond lost two of the biggest publishers in comics. Yep. And granted, the Marvel end of that hasn't I don't I think it's about to take effect. I don't know that it has started quite mm. yet. I think it's sometime this month. So they haven't felt that yet, really. Um, they will. And how are they going to deal with that? And then I'm just going to throw this out there. Why is image not here? That was my question. Yep. I don't get that. It don't look good. Yeah. Image has been quiet. They've been quiet about what they're going to do. If they plan on making any moves, they haven't Mm. really talked much about, all this since last year, where I think I think Eric Stevenson condemned Marvel and DC's act, or well, at the time DC's actions, leaving uh, leaving uh, Diamond. I believe that's the case. I feel like I recall that. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder what they think now that Marvel has also left, and that Penguin Random House is emerging as a legitimate you competitor. Know, competitor. Yeah. 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 I think now's a good time. Well, yeah, I think now's a good time to interject because we do have commentary on that matter from one image representative, and that's Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane McFarlane was not involved with the Diamond Retailer Summit, and these comments are a part of a larger interview that was done with Newsarama. But Todd was asked about the the disappearance of DC Marvel and IDW from the diamond side of things. And he had some things to say that weren't surprising to me. And I don't think they'll be to you either, but I want to get your thoughts anyway. He said, I think it's pretty much what makes the world go round. And that, and that's people think they can make more money doing it another way. I wish the world we live in is based on loyalty, but I can't say that. So if somebody says to you, well, if you do it this way, we can save 4%. That's 4% off a huge amount of money. These are big companies and you and, and they just make economic decisions, good, bad, or indifferent. Let me just say this. Every big company, every CEO who makes these decisions, they're not fucking right all the time. They're big powerful and have success at certain times. But if people in the big companies were so fucking smart, then even Pan Am would be around today. 
Just take a look at the Dow Jones from 1965. And a third of those companies aren't even around anymore. They don't even exist on this planet. I'm sure people at that time thought they were so smart and made all the right decisions, but that's not always what happens. So I think they're doing what they think is smart for today, and history will show us what happens next. So that is in line with what Image put out last year in terms of their perspective. But Todd himself doesn't always go with, he doesn't march to the beat of Image's drum. He marches to the beat of his own drum and has been critical of certain things that Image has done in the Mm. past. Mm. So don't take this to reflect directly on what Image thinks, but do you agree with Todd? Yeah. (laughs) There was a lot in there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think, um, boy, I really think what he said, though, could go both ways. And that's probably intentional. Yeah. you know, I think, uh, I, and I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, I can sit here and say, oh yeah, diamond's going to drive itself into the ground easy. Um, but it might not. Hmm. And, you know, I think, I think that's essentially what he's saying is, you know, you can sit here and Nostradamus your, your predictions all day. You might be right. You might not be right. Um, and you know, same as same as the Marvel and DC heads and the image heads, you know, they all put their pants on one leg at a time. They don't know any different from us. So yeah, I, I think that the key statement here is the one about loyalty. Yeah. Todd mentions loyalty early on. And I obviously take that to be about them leaving uh, Diamond. And if Todd feels that they're being disloyal by leaving Diamond, that tells me that he thinks that Diamond has earned some amount of loyalty from these from these publishers. Sure. And I argued that point last year before Marvel that why is it that diamond who has been you know a staple in the industry and not always positive but um has been great in some aspects acting as a bank for retailers and having close relationships with retailers and publishers why is it that at the first real opportunity dc jumped ship it's a lot harder for me to take that same stance when Marvel and IDW also did it and other publishers are also looking at their own situations. I think source point has, has made some changes and different publishers have announced different uh, changes that they have made. There has to be something causing that beyond just what Todd points out, which is saving 4%. There has to be. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I think it's also sort of uh, short-sighted on Todd's part mm. because, at, you know, in the case of Penguin Random House, like the deal that they cooked up with Marvel and all the thing, you know, each uh, uh, store has its own, you know, special agent or whatever. If something goes wrong, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the stuff that they 
have available to give to the industry is way stronger than, you know, what uh, Diamond has to offer right. or has, you know, even considered offering in the, you know, 30, 40 years they've been around. So, you know, I don't just think it's, oh, yeah, we can save 4%. Maybe that's the case, you know, with uh, with DC and and the garbage they cooked up. But with Penguin Random House, it's it's genuinely the case of, no, this is a legitimate competitor offering a better product. Mm-hmm. Well, if that, if that, if that, if you're right about that, then that does speak to Todd's point about loyalty, because then the argument would be his argument, you know, extrapolating from what he said here in this interview would be, well, what is it that prevents you from, you know, reaching out to Diamond and talking about these issues and trying to find a way to keep things in house, for lack of a better term? Why are we? deciding to let penguin random house into the fold when they have never done this before for comics when diamond knows what they're doing and that part of it is the part that's too big for my britches because Mm. i don't know what conversations have been had it's clear that dc was unhappy and Mm. i think it was jim lee that said back then you know we were always leaving Our contract was up and we were leaving. The pandemic just so happened to happen and create an a need to accelerate that timeline Mm. for us to insulate ourselves earlier than we projected, but we were leaving. Do I believe that? I don't know. I don't think Mm. that they make the, the decision to create two new distributors. If the pandemic doesn't happen, Mm. I don't know that that means they stay with Diamond. Yeah. But that move was wild. I, well, and I want to say it was sudden too, but two yeah. companies don't pop up overnight. They don't, but clearly they weren't ready because one of them is gone already. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So I kind of feel like, I, I, and I wish I had a crystal ball, right, to see how things would have shaken out. But I kind of yeah. feel like DC would have done things differently. And, but, but the, but the Marvel one, I don't think the pandemic impacted their decision making. Mm. That seemed like a choice that was well thought out and pragmatic on their part. Yeah, well, Marvel didn't even let you know the pandemic alter much of their uh stuff anyway you know they they uh uh shored up their defenses or whatever gave everybody a little bit extra work so they could feed them and you know uh, for good or worse you know speaking of like quality or whatever uh but like they kept their people fed and books came out yeah Uh, of course dc basically was the only publisher that had almost no interruption in their Mm. publishing because of the choice that they made to get their books out. And it's worth pointing out on the subject that the reason, or I shouldn't say the reason, but the reason I think they hot shotted the DCS lunar thing was because diamond said, we're putting a hold on shipping books. And DC said, nah, we're not with that. Mm. 
And then they went out and, and, and that's how those two new companies rose out of the ashes. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Whereas Marvel said, all right, we'll wait. But to your point, yeah. that didn't stop production. There was no, yeah. if I recall correctly, there was no pencils down moment for Marvel yeah. creators. Yeah, there was no pencils down. Maybe the books didn't come out. And right. like we said, stuff got pushed back. Yeah. But the artists kept working. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's let's get back into the retailer summit because there is still some pretty interesting stuff to discuss from this point. Uh, Diamond's 40th anniversary is next year. So that's something that you can imagine they'll celebrate and try to do some cool stuff for. It's funny because, you know, from a fan's perspective, that has no bearing on anything, right? Like, it's not like they're going to publish, you know, 40 year anniversary comics. Diamond doesn't do that. So um, watch they fucking do. <laughs> uh, so Aftershock was first up in terms of their presentation. Uh, they talked about their Eisner nominated books, We Live by Anaki and Roy Miranda, Eva De La Cruz and David Sharp. Uh, and Bunny Mask by Paul Tobin, Andrea Moody, and Taylor Esposito. If Andrea Moody's name is familiar to you, that is the artist behind uh, Fearscape, which we loved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ryan O'Sullivan was on that. Um, Aftershock sales were up 37% from 2019. That's wild. Yeah. Who's Aftershock? Just kidding. <laughs> Okay. They okay. did um they did that uh animal book with uh Marguerite Bennett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only that's genuinely the only thing I know them from. I'm not gonna get into all their announcements of what they're what they have coming out. Um, but you know, I'm happy to see I, I can't think of a single aftershock book that I have read. They just haven't hit my radar quite yet. But um, I'm happy to see that they appear to be doing well. They've got a young adults line called Seismic Press. Oh. Um, so that's pretty cool. I feel like every publisher is sort of finding their way into um, the YA market to some degree. Um, they're touting a new book by Brian Bucalato. Is that how you say their name? Huh. I, I think so. Okay. Is this is is this the guy that did um Flash? Yeah. I've been saying his wrong name wrong for years. I, I was, could be saying it wrong. I always thought well, I'm looking at the spelling now. I, I always thought it was Bucatello. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, that's yeah. so um uh, boy. Well, he's teaming up with Hayden Sherman for Chicken Devil. <laughs> Great uh, looking cover. Yeah, the cover's super cool. Uh Hassan Osman El Hao is also um, involved, and it the the quick little description is a man who runs a chicken restaurant gets involved with a mob. Sounds great. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this cover and that uh, synopsis, I'm fucking in. Yeah. I I like what he does. Uh, uh, since his days on the Flash, let's mm. go. Yep. Uh, they're getting a couple of new things from Cullen Bunn. Uh, one is called After Dark, a horror anthology, which is pretty cool. Jim Starlin also yeah. involved. Yeah, that's that's something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then they've also got The Heathens, which is by Cullen Bunn. Uh, Heath 
Emodio and Sami Cavella, uh, Pirate Queen Lady She, L- Lucky Luciano, Bumpy Johnson, Sophia the Golden Hand, and Billy the Kids team up to return evildoers to hell. That's crazy. Lucky Luciano is a real person. So is Bumpy Johnson. I'm Billy um, the Kid. And yeah, and Billy the Kid. Um, so that's wild. I don't know what to expect from that. Yeah. Um, we're getting more Maniac of New York. Uh, we're getting some more Paul Tobin stuff. So they've got some cool things going on over there. Yeah, dang. Maybe we need to look at Aftershock. Yeah, shit. I might start picking up Aftershock books. Maybe those uh, floppy sales are going to go straight up. I hope so. Uh, AWA had some announcements as well. They're not all robots book by Mark Russell uh, is sold out. They're going to be putting out a $10 trade for that, which is really good. Um, I've bought, I've purchased the first two issues. I haven't read them yet, but I really like Mark Russell. I feel like mm. Mark Russell's a unique voice in the industry. Did he do Flintstones or was he, he did Flintstones? He did Pink Panther. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's that yeah, guy. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And also um, second coming. If you remember that. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Jay Michael Straczynski has got a new title coming out through AWA. This is telepaths. It's essentially the idea of what happens if 10% of the world population had the ability to read minds. So that's interesting. Um, so yeah, they've got some cool stuff going mm-hmm. on over there. Um, Dynamite had some announcements. Uh, sales went up from 2019 to 2020, 28% in units, 29.85% in dollars. Um, and for the first 38 weeks of 2021, comic unit sales are up 30% and dollar numbers are up 40 2.4%. That's amazing. They're attributing some amount of that to the boys. I would bet that's a huge amount of it. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Sure. Yeah. It, it has to be because what else? Well, Diamond does do a lot of like the Vampirella. Um, Dynamite. I'm sorry. Dynamite. Uh, they do the Vampirella. Um, Betty. What's Betty? Um, Page. Betty Page. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that those do well. Like, hot woman on a cover like sight and scene yes. you know uh red sonia as well which is actually genuinely good mark russell writes that as well mm. um so yeah they have announced and this was a big theme of the diamond retailer summit was returnability mm. so for the pandemic era up until this point mm. returnability has been something that hasn't really been much available through diamond uh part of that is because they can't afford for you to send their books back but now that that's becoming a thing again we see a lot of the publishers announcing that returnability is coming back so uh in the case of for example um Hell sonia number one which is by chris hastings with art by pasquale uh, Quilano, they're saying returnable order 15 or more copies of Hell Sonia number one to qualify to have your order fully returnable. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then, and, and there were, you know, all the different publishers, Mad Cave, um, mm. you know, just so many different publishers that had cool stuff that they were announcing. We're not going to go through all of them. Um, Vault Comics, uh, they have been having a great year. 
Uh, Damien Wassel is the publisher over there. And, and he said the comics community rose to the occasion. Uh, and uh, he said the orders speak for themselves and they want to be a zero risk publisher. Again, going back to returnability and incentive covers, he said, if you want to see returnability become the new norm for the comics market, you need to signal that undeniably with your orders. And then he uh, or urges everyone to order Rush and Radio Apocalypse in a big way. Those are two of their major titles that they're touting uh, that are coming out here uh, in 2022. The Rush is a Western horror by Cy Spurrier and Nathan Gooden. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like Cy Spurrier. Um, yeah. I just did his uh, the first volume of his Hellblazer stuff. Um, mm. I'm, I'm into it. I like it. Um, Cy Spurrier's, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, and then they also said, or they're, rather, they're also, excuse me, touting Radio Apocalypse, which has a wild creative team. Uh, Rom V is going to be writing it. And that he's joined by uh, An- Anand or Anand, yeah, Anand RK, who was the mm. artist behind Blue and Green. That jazz graphic yeah. novel that they did. Yeah. 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 Super cool. Um, fully returnable. They're also putting out an omnibus for Heathen. Heathen is like a, a big book, man. Um, I remember actually when we worked at another place, mm. the person who created Heathen was there and uh she was, there was at that place sorry at near comic-con i oh, skipped okay. a beat yeah okay um and she was showing off this book then uh wow. it's uh natasha alterici with wow. rachel deering and i remember this book and i bought it actually um, I was compelled to buy it because it looked cool and she was nice. So I bought it and it was good. Sweet. So yeah. Fuck yeah. Putting out an omnibus now. That's cool. Fully returnable. Yeah. So Oni had some announcements. Henry Baharas, who we have interviewed before, is now the sales manager over there. And he said comic shops kept the industry alive in the last 16 months. And I want to sit on that for a couple of minutes because I'm sick and tired of the conversation about comics, excluding retailers. It's bullshit. You Mm -hmm. can't have a conversation about comics that does not include retailers for all the crap that people talk about retailers. And yeah, there are some retailers who suck. The fact is that if it wasn't for retailers, this industry would not have survived the pandemic and new retailers exist that did not exist before new mm-hmm. shops opened during the pandemic. You got to be kidding me. We, we are supposed to celebrate these retailers and not wish for the death of them. And I'm telling you now that it feels to me like a lot of people want to see that go away. And the industry doesn't survive that. Mm. I just don't believe it. I don't not right now. Maybe, maybe there's a time in the future where digital is such a an overwhelming uh, portion of the the dollar amount for these publishers that you know retailers are no longer necessary, but I don't see that coming in the next ten years. Not me. Uh, not in the next ten years for sure. Yeah. yeah, eventually it'll probably happen because I think that's just the inevitability of the world. But 
I, I think that for now, for comics, mainstream comics to exist, and I mean more than just Marvel and DC, I'm also talking about all the publishers here, you have to have retailers. Yep. Glad you agree. I didn't expect that. Um, I Listen, I love the comic shop. I would hate to have the comic shop go away, truly. Hmm. I, um, I, I, I'm not a fan of floppies, I'll give you. Um, but I think, you know, where, where else are you going to go to get a, a, a good trade? You know, like they, right. they, they're specialty shops. Um, and you know, they have to, they have to sell a million Funko pops to stay alive, but you know, that's not their fault. Right. No, I love a comic shop. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'm so, it, it makes me feel great. Obviously Henry is speaking to, retailers so he he's gonna say that but i believe what he said and i Mm -hmm. i do think that you know he's he's right so um moving forward idw no longer a part of diamond did show up anyways that's uh, that's reasonable um Mm -hmm. so pat o'connell uh came up and 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 presented some uh of what idw has coming down the pike and just some announcements yusaki yojimbo you're a big fan of that kale um yeah in its 37th year. Wild. And won two Eisners this year. So that's Rightfully cool. so, man. That yeah. book is... We might have to do a book club on it. Usagi Ojimbo. It's so good. That's your call. You're in control of that. I probably won't do it. All right. Uh, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog is one of IDW's bestsellers consistently. And they've got some stuff coming out. Of course, Sonic 2... Uh, the movie is coming out and they're going to do some tie-in stuff with that. And then also the 30th anniversary special. Um, and they're going to bring on the McElroy brothers, the McElroy's sorry, McElroy brothers, um, which is, I mean, I, I don't know anything about them. So does that make sense to you? To a degree. Yeah. So uh, the McElroy brothers do the podcast, my brother, my brother, me, uh, my brother, my brother, and me, and the Adventure Zone. The uh, Adventure Zone um, uh, is a D&D podcast that absolutely took off um, uh, to astronomical numbers and has a uh, a big amount of um, graphic novels at this point. Like they're, they're doing their whole first arc, which is uh, of the Adventure Zone, which is uh, coming out. I think it's going to end up being like seven or eight volumes of a comic. Wow. Which is huge for something like that. It's an enormous undertaking, um, especially for the artist, Car- Carrie Peach. I don't want to, um, you know, put her to the side. Um, but their father, who they play the adventure, uh, the adventure zone with Clint McElroy mm. was a ghost writer for, no, he was a TV writer and he wrote some comics way, way back in the day. I think they're very uh, um, buried. They're very um, esoteric, rare things, but his name's out there. Um, so all that to say, to have them on Sonic the Hedgehog, they're also big gaming heads. So I would bet okay. that this is going to be Griffin and Justin, uh, the oldest and youngest, respectively, uh, doing a Sonic the Hedgehog book, which is pretty cool. Interesting. Okay. Did you uh, um, did you did you notice on this um, the thing about the Sonic Two film? Did you notice who's going to play Tails according to IDW or according to the comic the comics beat 
according to IDW. Yeah, uh, Idris Elba. Uh, that's not correct. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what? Now I want it. Now that's sure. what I want. <laughs> Why not? Frankly, Idris Elba could be in my on my screens doing anything at all, and I'm into it. He could do all all, all the characters in Sonic. He should just be Sonic. Sure. He should Eddie Murphy, the Sonic franchise. Do you know who's doing the voice of Sonic? Because I don't. Yeah, it's. um. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, love the confidence. I know. I know who it is. I can picture him. It's the guy who does. Uh, which one does he do? <laughs> he's on. He's in DuckTales. He's in. Um, he was in Parks and Rec as uh, Ralphio, John Ralphio. Ben. Oh, Ben Schwartz. Schwartz. Thank you, Ben Schwartz. All right. Love Ben so Schwartz. If Idris Elba was the voice of Sonic, it would have taken us zero seconds to figure out who it was. To your point. Idris Elba. Yeah. 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 So, sure. Uh, of course, Idris Elba is actually playing Knuckles, not Tails. Uh, so get it right, IDW or Comic Speed, whoever. But he Just- should play Tails. So go ahead and get that right, too. Let's start that campaign. (laughs) The Last Ronin, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, doing amazing. It's so amazing. It sold 650,000 units. Now, that's cool. That's a big number. That's competing with Berserker. That's huge. It's it's competing with Berserker, but Berserker number one sold around that number. This is across four issues. Here's the kicker. Are you looking at the article right now? Yeah. Okay. So you already know. The last Ronin costs nine dollars an issue. <laughs> so that's six hundred and fifty thousand times nine. That's a big number. That's a lot of bucks, man. Yeah. It's their best selling series of all time. That's amazing. Man, I gotta get on this fucking book. Yeah. Uh they showed off the cover to number five, which is cool. And they also said that. Issue 125 of the main series by Sophie Campbell would introduce Teenage Mutant Punk Frogs. I'm sure that will put butts in seats. All right. Yeah. Sophie Campbell on it, though. Uh, that's She's a big name for the Turtles. So yeah. it very well might. Uh, and then last up was, uh, well, next up, I should say. Last was Dark Horse. Next up is Boom. Uh, retail sales lead Morgan Perry had to do the presentation. She spoke about Berserker. Um, and she said that Berserker, of course, is a huge hit. More than 650,000 copies of Berserker were sold. And by the way, only 15% returned. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the way the industry works, when a book is returnable, the reason they do that is because a lot of shops will order in excess of what they think they might need. Um, Oftentimes to get exclusive covers, incentive covers, things like that. Um, And if the book just sits on your shelf and no one buys it, you return it. You send it back. The fact that only 15% were returned says that a lot of people actually got their copies of Berserker. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, So a huge hit. There was a lot of conversation about whether Berserker was good for the industry or not. I think it's pretty clear that it was, it is and was um, for 
retailers to see some amount of that money is amazing. But that's not Boom's only success story because Boom also publishes something that's killing the children. And 1.1 million copies of that series have been sold Damn. in 18 months. Damn. So that's amazing. Eight in 18 months. And it's been, yeah. it's only been out 18 months. Exactly. Yeah. That's the idea. Ah, damn. That's through the pandemic. Yeah. So hats off. That's, that is why James Tinian is who he is. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why. He said, I don't need you, DC. Keep your Batman. Keep your yep. bat guy. Bruce who? <laughs> and then House of Slaughter, uh, which is uh, incoming. It's a tie-in, a spinoff, rather, of something that's killing the children. That has already received orders of 350,000. So mm. that's pretty good. Um, they've got a series called Getting Dizzy that's coming from Shay Fontana and Celia Moscote. Um, no idea what it is. Looks like it's some kind of crime book based nope. on the that's, the... that's the next one. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's the next book. Don't even know what it is. No clue at all. Um, they've got a Christopher Cantwell book, which is the book Kale just referred to, Matter of Oswald's Body. Um, they tout it as a Cohen Cohen Brothers esque thriller with art by Loca Casa Landidua. Landidua. Casa Landidua. Okay, well done. Thanks. Uh, I am Spanish. Um, and then I am American. <laughs> I am also American. <laughs> uh, you say you're Spanish. <laughs> what are you, some kind of racist? I'm a, I'm a peon. I'm American. I'm, I'm not European anymore. Really? I was never. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, and then there were a bunch of other announcements. We're running out of time. Dark Horse. Uh, go ahead. A Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, event, I guess. Power oh. Ranger Intergalactic War. That's all e- we get. Even more giant revelations about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers universe. Don't know what else there could possibly be. That show's been on the air for 30 years. Well, since you pointed out your thing, I'm going to point out my thing. Buffy, the last vampire slayer. Well, that's all the time we have today. uh, (laughs) You're not going to get away with that. Um, (laughs) It's got a sick cover by Mirka Mm. Andolfo. Or, whoa, why did I why did I think that said Mirka Andolfo? I'm crazy. Um, It doesn't even say anything close to that. It says Ario Anandito. I love Buffy. And this cover is like old man Logan. But for Buffy, that's the concept, I guess. Super cool. Um, And then over on the Dark Horse side of things, which is the last publisher that presented, they're touting Bendis. They've got Bendis. Joy Operations is Bendis's latest title. It's him teaming up with Stephen Byrne. Uh, So that's cool. Bendis has been doing the rounds a lot lately talking about what you know what he's working on and stuff like that um bendis said about it it's a sci-fi story uh he says it's a world i love playing in and when you love playing creatively it's easy for people to fall in love with it okay um the first two issues will be fully returnable so it's low risk for uh retailers which is cool and it's got a sweet david mack 
variants cover. Um, and then they also have stuff coming from Jeff Lemire, Jock, Scott Snyder, and Mike Mignola. We already know about Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder is doing the whole uh, Scott Tober thing with uh, Comixology. And then those very same books that are coming will be released physically exclusively through Dark Horse. Oh, yeah. Sick. Yeah. So that's pretty cool for them. Dark Horse puts out good collections. I like their collections a lot. I don't own a single one of theirs, but I have heard that consistently, what you just said. They feel very good. Hmm. So do you have any like overall takeaway from this? Uh, there are no plans to reprint Lone Wolf and Cubs. So like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's honestly this um, reading some of these announcements actually made me want to look at some of these other publishers vault and um, uh, aftershock. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than, you know, I would normally. So I, I guess, I guess I'm grateful for that. I don't want to say I'm grateful to diamond for that because that's disgusting, but, um, yeah, it's, man, it's dope that comics are up. Um, if, you know, if, if diamond being healthy means comics is healthy, then, you know, got to give it up. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. I what I take away from this is that the industry is in a strong place right now. That's yeah. a huge positive, I think. Um, it sucks that Marvel and DC and Image decided not to show up for this. I personally believe that regardless of their relationship with Diamond, it's important to present strength to the retailers, mm. um, a united industry that doesn't have to center around Diamond. That doesn't just because they show up at this thing doesn't mean that they work, you know, that they're in league with diamond. It just means this is what we need to do to keep appearances. Um, So I wish they had showed up, but it allowed an opportunity to more spotlight. Cause if, if Marvel and DC were there, we would have talked a lot more about what they did, but because they weren't there, we were able to speak about the other publishers and to Kale's point. I also am more interested in what they've got going on. And hopefully you guys are listening will hear some of the stuff that we just highlighted and say, hey, wow, that sounds cool. I want to check that out. Or I didn't realize something is killing the children was so popular. I'm going to check that out. You should. Um, Those are all positive things. Hmm. And whether you like Diamond or not, as long as they host and uh, ship so many publishers books, they're extremely relevant to the mm. industry mm. and it's better for everybody if they do well. So I'm happy with this overall. I think this is phenomenal. Yeah. And it's far, far better of a forecast than I could have laid out. than I did lay out. Yeah. One year ago. Uh, uh, looking at even looking at at the show notes when I saw we were going to talk about this conference, it's better than I would have forecast an hour ago before we started talking about it. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, write in and let us know your thoughts about what we talked about today. I know that the more industry heavy stuff isn't everyone's cup of tea, but I really enjoy talking about that stuff. And that's something that we do here a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
Hopefully the news of the, the industry doing well excites you. And if you're into any of these books, write in and let us know your thoughts. And you know, when they come out, we'll certainly read them if you're curious, because we are curious as well. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at the comicspals at gmail.com, of course, social at the comics pals. Uh, leave us a comment wherever you're listening. Surely there's a comment box wherever that happens to be. Follow, leave us a rating and a review. If you would be so kind, it really means a lot if you head over to Apple Music and drop us a review over there. Apple Podcasts, I'm sorry. Uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe for free, like the video, share it with your friends, drop us a comment. Huge shout out and thank you to everyone who, le- who left us a comment for this week's show. We really, really appreciate you guys. Uh, You made Kale and I feel less lonely this week. Mm. Thank you, Kilgore Trout and Snake of Talons. Appreciate you. Listen to our reviews for comics. Our review for Inferno is out now. Go run that up. If you are curious what I and Pete think about that book, check out our review. We did a deep dive. I think it's like 30, 40 minutes of just honing in on Inferno and all the secrets and cool stuff that were in there and comparing it to what has happened in the past and how things line up. It was a really good, good uh, conversation. So go check that out. We'll be dropping our image review of righteous thirst for vengeance on Wednesday. Thursday is all the other Marvel stuff. Don't know what we're reviewing yet. Marvel DC, everything else. Uh, Surely swamp thing. Surely a uh, nice house. You can expect us to talk about that, that stuff. Listen to our low book club. Listen to our, we watch what if series, which is coming to an end here in a week or so. Um, all the stuff we're doing, we've got a lot going on and we thank you so much for being a part of it. You guys are the lifeblood of this podcast. Kale plugs. Thank you so much to the audience for showing up to the show. Uh, okay. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try and for once in my miserable goddamn life, I'm going to put myself first. There you go. Here we go. <sighs> I can do this. <laughs> I, have, I have faith. You can find loud underscore Pete, uh, at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. I didn't do that. Right. Uh, he's got a podcast, the Nintendogs, no flip screen, uh, where they are doing the Nintendogs. Um, still not sure where they're getting the hands on a DS system these days. Uh, but I hope their dogs are still alive. Black market. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in That's T O T O I N T O W y'all. They just dropped, uh, they, uh, Toei did a, uh, first look at Shin Kamen Rider, which is coming out in 2023. Um, and the trailer they dropped was a shot for shot uh, recreation of the original Kamen Rider opening uh, credits uh, sequence, like mm-hmm. the theme song and everything. And it is so fucking good. Uh, new suit that is the same suit a uh, new bike. That's the same bike and a new belt. That's the same belt. It's, it's, oh, it's so good. I can't wait for this movie. <laughs> awesome. You can find Marco at Mr. Marco Animoto and you can find Phil at cyborg bebop. That's C Y B O R G 
E E B O P. All right. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about New York Comic Con, which we will be at. Come say hello. I will be there. Pete will be there. Mark will be there. Phil will be there. I probably should have said this sooner, but I'm saying it now. Uh, come hang out <laughs> if you'll be there. Uh, we accept uh, fist bumps and hey, waves. Visa also accept- American Express. Absolutely. Um, so we'll be you know, on Artist Alley interviewing our favorite creators, and you can expect to see that stuff drop throughout the week um once that event wraps up next week next week yeah uh thank you to kale for showing up to do the job appreciate that. thank you hey sean hey you know what thank you for putting together the show and i have to say you did an all right job hosting oh wow a rare compliment kale Mm. you honor me thank you so much amen with that kale and i are the comic spouse signing off until next week take care guys Love you. Goodbye.